0: Praise God. Isn't it good? I think there's two things that God is really interested in in the worship, or in our services. I think one is worship. He shows up because he loves worship. And the second thing I believe is impartation. Like as much as it offends me, God doesn't show up to hear me talk. He's not sitting down there taking notes. Oh, that's a new thought. He's not, but what he does do is he inhabits the praises of his people. And that means that he comes and enthrones himself wherever praise and worship is. And whenever he enthrones himself wherever praise and worship is, anything can happen. The second thing that God is interested in is impartation. And I think that, that we are moving into a time where impartation will take on a whole new level, because God recognizes that in the days in which we live, He needs His people to be fully equipped. we can't even cause an anxious thought, but he can I, I, you know when i 'm thinking about Lou Engel, we had the, the joy of having Lou Engel about maybe eight years ago, and he, he's funny he's good, but he is he is powerful, so he is uh, he he led a prayer time in washington of which almost half a million people turned up to really impart that whole area he also has a sense of humor because he says why would god lead somebody into prayer and fasting because he says the first time i felt really impression a real impression that i needed to get into and do a 40-day fast. He says, day three, I had an incredible hunger for a cheesy chip. (laughs) And he said, I've got to be honest, I gave in to it. But I started again, and he's done many 40-day fasts and, and prayers. But God has used him in a very powerful way. And I think he wants to use us. And isn't it exciting that it's getting shorter and shorter before we move into the new build. And just, I I want to, I trust that this will at least give you an appetite for that as well. And I've entitled this, Immeasurably More. God wants to do, whatever you're thinking, he wants. Ephesians 3.20 says this here, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work, Within us, what does that mean? What immeasurably more? Accord, you know, he says more than all we ask or even imagine, and we've got to recognise that there are things, limitations within us. We think that if I was to say to you, "What do you want God to really do? What is it that you would like God to do in your life?" Let me say this here: most of us struggle, and and if if we come up with something, let me say this here. It's way down here as far as God has for you. It's so low that, that literally God is saying, That ain't worth my while turning up for. And to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. There are things that I know that I know. We're all like that there. Listen to me catch my train of thought. There are things that you know that you know. You you go to work each day or you do the stuff that you do every day. And you know that you know that. I can do that. That's no problem. One of the other great, I would say, gifts that we have is to be able to know what we don't know. Now that's probably even more important. To know what you don't know. Because then you can't make it a mess of I could do that as well. And we mess it up. So it's incredibly important to know what you know. It's possibly even more important to know what you don't know. But here's another thing. Most of us don't know what we don't know. You know, that, that's outside of our thinking. You know, we, we, we are involved in things and we suddenly realize, I didn't even know that that was something that we could get involved in or do. Or, and, and that's what God said. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in this here, that God has something immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine. I love imagination. You know, most kids that are born have wild imaginations. They don't, you know, with, they don't have dreams of sitting behind a desk and doing administrative work. They want to be Superman. They want to be a, a superhero, something like that, that's their imagination. And and that's something that was put into them. You know, don't lower yourself. But you see, to some degree, and there was a word that was given this morning about how that the enemy wants to diminish our desires and our hopes. And then he rises the risks that are involved in that to just put us off and say, you could never do that. That's not something even within your area of potential. You weren't born with those gifts. You couldn't do that. So God is saying, whatever you could imagine or think, I've got immeasurably more for you. Things that I know that I know. Things that I know that I don't know. But what about the things that I don't know? that I don't know, where God puts fresh vision and creativity into you, where, where I believe that that Thomas, the pastor of the church here, will, will get new thoughts about how this building will be used. Hi, we never thought about that. How to um, it really impress into the community that we don't just want to be a provider of a religious service on a Sunday. We want to impact this community. We want to do something immeasurably more than we could even have imagined. We have never prayed about it because we never thought about it. But God wants to do something. So if you can measure anything you can manage, and we all love to get ourselves into a situation where what we are doing in our lives, and more specifically for God, is manageable. But if that is the course of our life, that we want to measure everything and manage or control everything, how do we square that with a God who is immeasurable? Or a God who says, my measuring cup is so much bigger than your managing skills. You see, if I want to pour into your life something so vast and so great that if you still keep trying to manage and control, you will not say yes to the immeasurable life. I couldn't do that, God. And, and, and you know, the brilliant thing about it is that he did it with the disciples, with fishermen, with administrators, with, with all sorts of ordinary people. None of them he grabbed out of theological college. He just brought them, and he says, you know something? You were created, you were born for more than this you see God is saying if I want to pour into your life something so vast and so great that if you still keep trying to manage and control you will not say yes to the immeasurable life I believe that that's where God is trying to do to take us to a place where we don't have all the instructions We're going into things that we don't know how this is going to develop. An investment has been made in our lives. We know this. We hear, follow me. We believe we're going to get every detail that a child of God needs to know what a child of God should do. But that's not the God that we serve. God will put fresh thoughts into you. And you will immediately try to discard him. That's not me. And he's not going to give you even instructions to do it. He's going to say, just step out in faith. And I'll do the rest. Just step out in faith. There comes a point where God will invest something in you. And he puts an expectation on you. But he step ba- steps back and he doesn't even whisper Instructions to you. What do you do when you're confronted by this dilemma? Sad to say, I, please. Many Christians, many Christians, turn up on a Sunday and they step into a like a flight simulator and they go through all of the emotions, and by the worship was just really brilliant this morning. But we think we have done something in that. So we step into the flight simulator. We literally get the thrill of it. We give the the devil a real good beating in our worship. And then at the end of it, we step out of the simulator and we realize we never even took off. We never left the ground. It was just simulation. And God wants to take us and that's why he's saying we can get the buzz sometimes from it and think that that's all there is. And that's where I believe that that this church will go and, and it will not just bring a word of encouragement or word of motivation or something like that but it will be followed by impartation that will say you see what you heard this morning you can walk in that. You see, it's not difficult to reach the community. It's just really hard to change the church. Our cities are longing for life, but to reach them, we have to reposition our churches. Alan Scott says this here, The next move of God is not a movement in the church. It is a movement of the church. There was a master in the parable of the talents. There was a master of a great estate. And he brought three of his servants forward. He didn't tell them what to do with what he gave them. He just deposited it. He invested it into them. He left. And then after a length of time, he returned to them. And asked, what have you done with what I gave you? First servant doubled his from five to ten. The second doubled his from two to four. And to the third servant, he went off to find it. And when he dug it up, out of the soil, he handed him the coin and said, See, I didn't lose it. But I was too scared to risk it. Because I'm not sure how your rules work. So out of fear, I buried it. You see, each of these worked in a vineyard. They knew that if you planted seed in the soil, it would flourish. That was a proper investment environment to grow. But it wasn't seed he was given. It was coin. So it was the right thing, but he placed it in the wrong environment because the environment, the sterile as far as coinage is concerned. He couldn't go back after birth. Let me tell you, I, I am very confident that if you place a uh, five-pound Note into the soil, go away for a year and come back again, it won't have turned into a 10 pound note if it's still there. You see, each of these worked on the vineyard. They knew that if you planted seed in the soil, it would flourish. But this was something different. This was something that was invested into them, that was given to them, that they hadn't experienced or even thought the opportunity of developing it. God wants you to know that what it is he's given you and where it is supposed to be planted to get permission to produce. He'll give you that as you go on. This servant, through fear, didn't pass the discipleship test. I buried it in the ground. At least I didn't lose it. I just couldn't risk it. You gave me, listen, you gave me expectation without instruction. That scares people. Because we love to be told in all of our jobs that we have, in everything that we did, we learned something. And in cases there was mentorship, and we were brought into something and we were told, this is exactly what you do with this. But God doesn't work that way. He will give us something that will, as it were, ignite expectation within us, but he doesn't give you the instructions to it because he wants you to seek his face to grow. He doesn't want you just to be an assembly worker. He wants You know, one of the things about Jesus, God's son was that he went for instructions every day, while it was yet morning was a great way off, he went off by himself and saw it. Because he knew, and he was trying to impart into those that were following him. And you know, and there's nothing wrong with this. You might have expectations that when we move into the new building, we will be the same as we are, just bigger. Because somehow in the church, with regard to what God wants to do, we, we don't have a new creative thought. We just think bigger. And God is saying, I want you to think different." The whole whole message of repentance. Do you know what repentance means? Repent to change your way of thinking. And that's what God is wanting each of us to do. I buried it in the ground. At least I didn't lose it. I just couldn't risk it. You give me expectation without instruction and that's not how it works with me. I want you to give me and tell me everything but I want you to do it now before I start off. The master said, you know what I do describe him? He didn't describe him as being or having a lack of faith. He says, you're wicked. You are wicked. I gave you something that had the ability to be multiplied, and I didn't even get interest. You know, everything that they could have multiplied would have belonged to them. He lost out on the immeasurable life. We measure by finding something's limit or its edges. The first message that is sent out of the world about us, are measurements, how, mu- how much does he weigh? You know, what length is she? She has long fingers. All of those things. But there are many things we can't measure. Some of them, delight, smiles, forgiveness, passion for a cause. You see, there are things that God provides to us that we can't measure. Here's one, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. And I pray, and that's the amplified version, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength. Stuff, you know, you think, if I could do this, I I would feel much more purpose to my life or much more, fulfillment in my life and God is saying you aren't even close I want to do so much more I want I don't Don Patrick doesn't need a bigger church and I'm saying that yeah we want a bigger church okay but what it does need is a church on the move that will impact, that will get out of the building, that will flow into the streets, that will bring not just a message, and that doesn't happen except through impartation. So incredibly important. Ephesians 2, 7, and he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Do you ever feel I have God I can't take any more? Do you know what happens when you do feel that there? He increases your ability to be. It's like a like a balloon. You blow a balloon up, and that balloon is 100 percent full of air whatever size it is, but you keep blowing it and it just increases in capacity. It's always going to be full, but it can be full in a very limited way. It's much smaller than what it should be until you keep putting more and more in it. For our momentary light distress, this passing trouble is producing, and I'm almost finished, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor, and an endless blessedness. I sometimes think, you know, I'd love to meet Paul. I'm sure there is probably going to be some sort of a a waiting room, and you'll get a ticket, and it'll probably say one million there's no such a word as one, sorry about that but it'll be a long queue because he has such an incredible grasp he had such an incredible grasp of this that he is writing about and he, and he talks about the, the, the tough times that you go through let me tell you something folks You will never grow without the tough times. That, that that literally engages you to seek God and it drives you towards God and it brings you wherever you have an experience that you would rather be out of, you thank God for. Because God is wanting to lift you up a new level and he's saying to you, I can't do that without God you having more reliance on me. One day, 1 Kings 4 says this, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help? And Elisha asked, tell me, what do you what, can, what do you want me to do? And, and tell me, what do you have in the house? And she says, nothing at all, except a little flask of olive oil. And Alicia said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, settling each one, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her. And she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing when she told the man of god what had happened he said to her i sell the olive oil pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over i don't think that she would have sent them out and said give me your best jars I would have said, if somebody had brought out a mop bucket, she would have said, that's dead on. The only provision is, it must be empty. It's got to be empty. I'm not looking for anything within these. I'm not looking for shortcuts to anything else. I just want empty vessels. Whatever shape, says they are, just get me them. They could be empty bean tins. They could be anything. I don't think that. that those days. But whatever it was, she just needed emptiness. What they were out to do was to get, so then go into each house and just get me emptiness. That's what I'm looking for. Let's go through the instructions or the ingredients for increase. First question, what do you have? She probably thought, I know I have something, but it's not enough to meet the need." She was conscious enough to know that what she had could never. You see where I'm getting with regard to this here? God wants to do immeasurably more than you have the ability to be able to do or even the resources that you have. But the one thing that she needed to do was collect emptiness. It's a strange thing. So the first question was this here that he posed to her. What do you have? She says, I have nothing. I have something, but I don't think that it's going to be enough to meet the need. First instruction, go outside. And this is where I believe that God, because I know Thomas's heart in regard to this, you need to go outside the building, outside of the four walls. I need you to venture out and involve others and go out of the area of your comfort. Knock on some doors, introduce yourself to people you've never met and borrow something from them. You're looking for emptiness. Hunger. Just an empty vessel. No need to explain, just say it needs to be empty. You see, we wait on God to do things for us, but God wants to do things with us. We wait on God to do things for us, but God wants to do things with us. The prophet gives us just a little criteria. I want them to be empty, and don't just get a few. He's prophesying the more emptiness you can borrow, the more potential for multiplication. How awkward are you? willing to be, to go outside of your comfort zone. Knock on some doors and say, I need something from you. We don't need the containers that are half full of your opinions or ideas. So number one, go outside. Number two, empty vessels. Borrowing gives us the idea that this is temporary. The container is temporary. The value is inside. The temporary container, whatever that temporary problem or temporary struggle that will come and th- that will come and go. Whatever that temporary problem that you get, it will come and go. But if you present the emptiness when you feel like you are not enough for a situation that you're facing, remember this. That is what God is looking for. I just feel that um, maybe the team, I'm I'm finished, I've, I've got this. Maybe the worship team would just come up. And I know that there are folk that just want to, if the service is over, I'm going to hand it over to Thomas. But God wants to do immeasurably more. You might think your limitations are within what talents or giftings that you have. Now, that's good. That can be identified. We see that in the worship team. That's not a problem. But there are things that God wants to do in your life that you never even thought you could do. He's that sort of a God. He wants to do immeasurably more unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond anything that we could even imagine or ask i have a pretty good imagination and i'm sure some of you have as well but it doesn't come close That's why God is saying there are things that you know that you don't know. There are things that you know that you know. But there are things that I want to give into your life that you don't know. So if you don't know, you can't even ask. Because it's beyond your ability to ask. But you know the great thing about it is as your heart hungers for it, God pours into it. And he brings revelation. And he brings insight insightfulness. So that what is it? What is it that you want? Could you surpass your child's imagination? He comes and dresses up in the Superman outfit and just Believes I could be that. I could be that. Lower your expectations. You know that's what school does sometimes? It educates us to lower our expectations into something a little bit more real. And God is saying, that doesn't gel with me because I want to do immeasurably more than you could ask or think or imagine. Bless you. you. Well, we stand.